Hello. Hello. Welcome to the School Bridge Podcast. I'm Piers. I'm Maggie. And this is episode five, where we're talking about our favorite projects. Our favorite projects. We, so go we ahead. recently recorded an episode about project best practices, and we finished recording, and we sat there and talked about our favorite projects for a long time. Yeah, we were just kind of reminiscing about you know the projects we did as kids, the projects we've done as teachers, mm -hmm. and we wanted to sit down and just talk about them. Yeah, so we're really just going to talk about our favorite ones. Um, hopefully, some resonate with you. And uh, yeah, let's let's get into it. And I'm a science teacher, and Mag is a history teacher. I am. I taught English for a long time as well. And I had a little stint in math. Yeah. But when we're talking about projects, I got to give a shout out to my co-teachers because I've almost always had co-teachers. So some of the projects I'm going to talk about, we came up with together, or it was their project they had done before I came into the school. But just giving them you know, the love that they deserve because they were amazing. Absolutely. I feel like I stand on the shoulder of giants at my school because some people have worked on things for so long and then you just get to tweak them over the years. And so not all of these ideas are ours. They're just really cool things that we've gotten to experience. So you want to start us off with some of the best? Oh, I got to say right away, when you hear my projects and you hear Maggie's projects, <laughs> Maggie's projects are a 10 because... <laughs> This is when this is when her genius really comes through. <laughs> That's very kind. I do love projects. I think they're super fun and creative. Um, okay, my one of my favorite projects ever was when I taught writing and I needed to build in some research, and so I did a unit on whether it was street art or vandalism was the theme. And a lot of my students were really into street art at the time, so it was a super applicable connection for them. And what they did is they researched different famous pieces of street art, like Banksy would be a big one. And they got to dig into the history a little bit of that art and the artist, if that person was known, or if they weren't of the community and different murals and, and graffiti art and things in different um, communities around the country. And so they learned about that. And then they had to actually write an argumentative paper on whether or not that artwork or that, you know, mural, that community's art was street art or vandalism. And they got super into it. It was it was a lot of fun. I love that. It reminds me of when I was a kid and I would just fill up notebooks with different, you know, tags or graffiti or that little S, the that, S? That, S that everybody <laughs> does. That S, that S is trademarked now. No way. I know. I can't believe it. I, all, we're all in trademark violation. Every year I teach my kids how to make that S. Yeah. And they, I got to keep it alive. Right. They got to know. Oh, that's funny. I didn't know that. I love that. You yeah. made me think of, I mean, I know we sorely talked about this last time with our projects episode, but the egg drop is one of my favorite projects. It's a great end of the year. Like it's a great May project, mm -hmm. right? You, you get a bunch of materials and you give the kids different parameters, or different constraints, and they have to drop an egg off a balcony and it can't crack. Yeah. And I always tell them, you know, you'll get different grades based on the degree of how much your egg is cracked. Love that. Like if it lands in the target and it doesn't crack, that's an A. Or if you have a minor crack, that's a B. And they, they get really invested in, in building these contraptions to make sure that their egg is going to survive. And I love it because you can give them different constraints. Like you can give them a budget or different materials. I love that. It's fun. They look forward to it. All of the lower grades see them dropping these eggs off the balcony. They know it's coming up. That's so cool. I feel like you have to be resilient too because the first couple times you try it, it's not going to work. And then you need to kind of redesign and rebuild and, and try again. 
They, I love it because they have to work in teams, yeah. and I let them choose their own teams. And you'll see a little bit of the friction come in with the teams. They'll have this great grand idea, or they'll go on YouTube and they'll see some video. They're trying to like hack the egg project, and okay. then they'll do it, and they'll realize like, oh, we don't have the same materials, or I thought my design was going to be flawless. <laughs> they drop it. The wind takes over, and then they got to start again. They got to work a design team, and it it mimics somewhat what happens in real life. Yeah. But I think it's it's just fun too. That's super fun. It's almost like a rite of passage too. Like you said, the little kids see that one. Yeah. And I love late May. There's always kids asking if they can stash egg drop materials in my room mm -hmm. for when they go to science later. Right. They always want to you know bring in secret materials from home. Yeah. And, and you can you can do these things and make them as rigorous as you want. You can do them in the lower grades. You can do them in the upper grades. Yeah. But the egg drop one that always has a. It has a sweet place in my heart, that one. I love that. So that's another favorite. Um, another one I was thinking of, this is like a mini project. I used it to end a unit. So I did a poetry unit. And to cap off the unit, we did a coffee house. And so students could either write an original piece of poetry, which a lot of them chose to do. And there's a lot of very cool, like, you know, social emotional connections you can make to that, giving them that outlet. But you could also just choose a poem you like that someone else wrote if you need a safer option if poetry is not your thing. And we turned our classroom into like a little like beatnik coffee house. And I brought in decaf and like donuts and cookies. And we moved all the desks to the side. Um, and we had a little mini stage. It was like a pallet. And some of the lamps, you know, the lamps, like the cheap lamps from Ikea where you can like they're on arms and you can like move them. I had one of those in my apartment. So I brought it in so that we could put it kind of like it was a spotlight and we turned the lights off. And I honestly, that was not an incredibly rigorous project. It was a very fun, very joyful, very community building project. But what I loved is that some kids wrote poetry that they like they're your really quiet kids that don't participate all that much wrote beautiful powerful poetry and had had a, a chance to shine with that and that was i still remember that and i did that one years and years ago did you guys do the snaps oh yeah yep oh yeah you we got, sat on the floor i hope that you know when they're in college and they start going through those coffee shop vibes yeah they go to the poetry slams like oh my god we did this in <laughs> in middle school yeah that was eighth grade that was super cool i like that you brought up the point about you know rigorous versus non-rigorous projects mm-hmm it's just about the goal of the project. Yes. I mean, I remember I had this amazing co-teacher and she had this really rigorous disease research project. And it doesn't matter what year the kids were in. They always remembered what disease they had for the research project. Yep. But it allowed for really good teaching because there were checkpoints along the way that you had to have, you know, the causes, the treatment and the symptoms, not in that order, of the project. But then you would show call one person's symptoms paragraph yeah and you could break it down and you could say you know i really like the technical vocab that you have here and i love the way that you have this topic sentence that goes into how you actually treat those symptoms yep i love that projects can be amazing for that that's always really good it made me think that this is when you can have like a safe conversation about citations and plagiarism oh yeah because when you have these technical vocab terms you know and you're rewriting facts the kids would always struggle with like, how do you rewrite a fact so it's not plagiarism? Yeah. And, you know, you teach them how to do it and you say like, look, a fact is a fact, but... 
the way that you structure your sentence and the way that you take ownership over your writing, that's what that's what makes it yours and not someone else's. Absolutely. I mean, projects are so skill heavy and everything you just talked about is a skill and they don't we don't know things unless we learn them, unless we're taught them. And so those are great opportunities to teach those as well, for sure. Yeah. What else you got? Oh man. Okay. So a bunch, but I think this might be my favorite project that I ever did ever. And I was a very new teacher and I needed to hit some standards on different government structures and also how governments influence their people. And again, new teacher, I was a little bit behind and I had to cover some geography standards that I hadn't hit yet, particularly around the geography of Central Asia. So I was in a little bit of a pickle with what I had to do. And I ended up creating something that I just, I still love today. And I have some cool pictures of it where student, I placed students in groups and they were given a country in Central Asia and they were the government of that country. So I had Kazakhstan and Azerbaijan and I think I had seven or eight countries maybe. And I gave them, well, they had to find it actually. So there's a research component, the basic info from that country, their imports and exports, raw materials, GDP, population, um, you know, climate, things like that. And then every day, the bulk of, of that project during the day, during the lesson time, was them just interacting with one another to try and meet the goal of having their country be as successful as possible. So they could trade. They could, you know, place embargoes on people. They could work together with some countries and not others. And then I would always throw a wrench in their plans, right? There would be a flood or there would, you know, be some sort of natural disaster. Like a pandemic. Oh, I didn't, I didn't do that. This was pre-pandemic. <laughs> but they would have to respond. And it was so cool because they ended up internalizing their government structure because they could only do things that their government physically was allowed to do. Um, and they got so into it. Kids started not sitting with their friends at lunch. They would sit with their countries. Or I would see them like drawing up plans during break and recess. Or they would get mad at their friend because they had placed an embargo on them, you know. And it it was it was so fun. It was so engaging. I don't think they felt like they were learning, but they walked away with really cool information about how countries work. I love that. And they, you know, because as they get older, they'll see all of the geopolitics that that happen in the real world. Yeah. They're like, oh, I remember when I was this country. Yeah. And how many 13-year-olds know the geography of Central Asia, right? I liked when you you brought up, you know, you're the natural disaster that comes in or you're <laughs> the, you know, the pandemic vibe made me think of the projects that we had to think of in 2020, yes. like April and May 2020. Yes. I remember we always try and end the year with some type of engineering project. Mm -hmm. And we had the kids build a mask. And I don't remember what the original project was supposed to be. But then we we're like, oh, let's have them make a mask because then they can learn about particle size. They can learn about the filters. I love and that. I remember their their drive through promotion. A lot of the kids wore their masks back in and you could see like, all right, that's a really great mask. Like yeah. I see that you, you know, you sewed the fabric together, you put in the filter. Wow. Or you see some kids that just make this giant mask and it looks like a Santa Claus beard. Like it was <laughs> like awesome. Like a plague doctor. It was so sweet. <laughs> that's awesome. I love that. Yeah. And that was when we were super locked down. Like yeah. they couldn't leave their homes really. So we were just using whatever we had around. I remember, I think 
I mean, all teachers had to modify then. Oh but gosh, yeah. another thing we would do for our bio classes is they would build a cell model. And when they were at home, they could do an edible cell model. I love that. And so we'd give them all the materials and they'd come pick them up. And, you know, they had to make a cell model. They had to have all of the organelles. They took a photo of it and, and then they ate it. That's so fun. That's so fun. And you know they'll remember that. Oh, yeah. And it's, that's the cool thing about projects is you can have that same base project. Like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of teachers do the build a cell project. Mm-hmm. And during the pandemic, it was, you know, it's got to be edible. But then when they came back in person, it was now can you make it out of recyclable materials? I love that. Yeah, you can tie in other themes that you're trying to promote as well. You made me think, you know, anytime you have the projects too, where they build something, we would always display them when someone would come by for tours or open house or when the parents would come in for conferences. Back to school night. Back to school night. From the night. previous year. Yeah. yeah. That I think is is a great way to showcase, you know, your parents are trusting their kids at school and it's yeah. nice to see what they're doing. And you made me think of the next one that I was thinking about earlier when you were talking about families and that's the family history project. So that's one, this is... This is not my creation. Um, amazing coworkers put this together, and I got to jump on and and teach it now. But it's we do it in a cross curricular way. I know a lot of schools have you know like kind of research your family, um, and we do it cross curricular. So it's a history English project, and it's really cool because each content gets to hone their specialties. But it's all at the end, everything gets put together, so the kids have this massive portfolio. So the more history, you know, style pieces are, uh, we study historical immigration in the United States, and then they find the immigrant in their family um, or a migrant in their family, right? Depending on that child's unique family history, they might have more access to someone who made a big move within the United States. Um, And we also talk a lot about culture and different pieces that make up cultural identities, especially food. And so we do some studies of different food items and immigrant, you know, food contributions. And then the students choose a family recipe and it's unique to them. It can be truly anything. It could be something that they have every week, or it could be something they make once a year at a special holiday. And they write up sort of their own history of that recipe and then on the English side, they do some creative writing and they write some some short stories around important people or places within their family. They put it all together. And at the end, we do these presentations. And I love it because they just get to shine and talk about how cool their family is, basically, and how we're all a piece of this like wider American history. And then they always bring in their family recipe, which is super fun because then everybody gets to try this special food to them. I think I'm most jealous of that day. Oh my gosh. I don't even eat lunch that day. That makes me think about, I mean, we all know the projects that we're doing as teachers, but it's really fun to think about the projects you did as kids. Yeah. We did a similar kind of family history project. We would dress up like the person from our past who came to this country or was the 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 ancestor that you could trace your lineage furthest back to. That's so cute. But I wish we'd brought in the food. Yeah. I love the food. And food's important, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's me, one of my favorites. Yeah. I think about the parents helping out too and sharing the recipes with the kids saying, you know, their parents taught them how to make this and it gets passed on. Yep. I wasn't as kind to my mom though when, when we had our projects. <laughs> like, I think we, I remember the paper mache Mount Everest that she did. I remember the... When you would have the trifold book report. Yes. And I think part of it was you had to design your own cover for the book. Uh-huh. 
and the artwork was way above my level. And like, <laughs> I remember it's like, thanks, mom. <laughs> yeah, it's like nine o'clock at night. Like it's my bedtime, and mom's sitting there with the markers, like helping me outline like exactly oh, no. what it could look like and come up with the ideas. Like, shout out to the parents. <laughs> oh, seriously, or the baking soda volcanoes? Oh, the baking soda volcanoes and carrying it in and yep. the cleanup. Absolutely, I remember my brother making that, and I was so jealous. He's older. I was so jealous. I just couldn't wait until it was my turn to make the baking soda volcano. It's funny to think about the other. I mean, I remember there was a girl in must have been my fifth grade class or fourth grade class. She did the difference between cats and dogs. That's awesome. And I still remember it. Right. Right. Yeah. And she was a total cat person. Like <laughs> you can see it now. But like she had a great project on the difference between cats and dogs. I think it must have been a science fair project. Oh, well, so science fair is a whole nother like bucket of projects, right? That right. can be super cool too. It's really fun as a teacher when you see the kids come up with their own science fair projects and you have your science fair display night. Yeah. Oh, the I trifolds. Yes. I remember, I don't think they had them as kids, but when kids started coming in with the trifolds, they had the header on it. Yes. And you're like, oh, oh I wish I had the header. Oh, I know. I know. I We do a project that has trifolds and I always keep an example from the year before that has a header and kind of pull that out towards the end and kids, you know, their eyes just bug out and their jaws drop and they're like, how did they do that? Right. And I always keep a little extra cardboard around just in case they want to. Just in case. Yeah, it's super cute. Not only shout out to the parents, shout out to the teachers when I was a kid. Like we had a solar car project Ooh. and I don't even think I realized how complex this was. Yeah. But we were building the solar cars in class. And then, like, I just randomly remember them saying, like, hey, now on this Saturday, you're going to bring your solar car to the solar car competition. Oh, my gosh. But I thought my teacher did a great job of making it, you know, like, low stakes. Like, we thought it was this reward that we got to take, you know, this car that we built in class to the solar-powered competition. Yeah. And you see some kids, like, they do amazing work. How cool, too, that you, like... In, in your mind, your reward was another academic experience. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, it was totally random. Like, we're just driving out to this little racetrack, and, like, there's all these little families with these I kids' that. cars. That's so you're cool. You're trying to fix yours up because you tested it, and it crashed into a wall, and you're making it go again. But that's part of projects, too, is that, and sometimes this can be a little heartbreaking to see, but, you know, when kids do, you know, their version of best or maybe not. And then they come in and they see kids who really knocked it out of the park. That can be such a good lesson and sometimes a good wake up call yep. to see what their peers did versus what they did. That reminds me, I remember in high school, we had a history project where we had to make a big poster. It was like a zoomed in New York Times cover page. Oh, cool. And like I, I did mine and I thought I did a pretty good job, but I definitely pushed it kind of, and I did it maybe the week before it was due. Procrastinated a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I procrastinated a little bit. And some of my articles, like I think you had to write six or seven articles from different authors on a range oh, of wow. topics. And like I hand wrote them into the, onto the poster board. Yeah. And I see some kids come in and they've got the correct New York Times font. They've got the margins spaced correctly they've got really creative names for the authors yep and you like you said it's a pretty good wake-up call to say all right i kind of worked hard on this i was trying to do a good job mm -hmm. but the teacher must have given some parameters on what really makes it great and i might have been drifting off in that moment <laughs> but it's and, go ahead yeah and some kids just get to shine right like those kids who love that type of work they really really get to shine with projects and one I see that a lot with is a travel journal. I love this project. You could do it with 
any like really any geographic component. You could tweak this project to make it work. Um, but you give the students some parameters on different places. Um, the one I've done has been really Africa focused and then a couple different time periods. And then you say, okay, you are a person in this time period that you either give them or they pick and you are traveling to two or three cities, right? And then you're writing a journal of your travels. So there's actually a lot that goes into that because they need to, well, they, they have the choice to pick their cities and the persona of their person, which they get super into. And then they have to research those cities and then accurately describe those cities in the journal, right? So that's the the skill is the research. But, and, and even the rubric says, right, I'm looking at your research skills. I'm looking at your research skills. Some kids get so into creating this person and they have a backstory how they were an orphan and they're trying to find their family and they've got this camel farm and they're, then the camel dies and they have to walk on foot and these pirates capture them. And it's, <laughs> it, gets, it gets really, really intricate and I can tell how much fun they had putting it together, you know, and it's, it's just another one of those things. Some kids go all out. I love the fun. Like you're sneaking in the school, but it looks like fun. Yes. Oh, I love that. Exactly. Yeah, you're sneaking in the academics. Totally. I remember doing the design a boat challenge as a kid. And I think your boat had to had, had to do two things. Like you had to have the fastest boat. Okay. And my teacher would, it was like a big tub of water and they would put like a small current in it. And you had to see how well your boat could go down these lane lines. Oh, wow. See how quick it was. And then it had to be the most buoyant boat. And, you know, you're at home and you're modeling it and you're testing it in the sink. And then you come in and you do it live and it's just fun. Yeah, absolutely. Those are some good skills too, like some, I don't know, physics? Yeah. Yeah. I, and it's the same thing. Like as a kid, it's amazing that you remember the project. Yes. And like I remember the teachers that did a really good job embedding the content mm -hmm. and the ones that maybe were dressed up as just a fun thing to do. And that's totally okay. Well, that's a whole nother category, I think, of projects are just Projects where, like you said, there's a goal, right? Where the goal of the project is to build community and is to have fun, especially if you have a structure in your school where you have an advisory or an extended homeroom, or maybe you're a self-contained teacher and you really want to build that community in your room. You can do projects just for the sake of that. You know, the Straw Tower is a classic. Oh, yeah. yeah, community building, teamwork. I love that one. I love that one. It has to be able to hold a certain amount of weight. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could do like door decorating I've done. Um, I've gotten to do one where you need a couple classrooms, a couple teachers to work together, but your class specializes in something, a, a topic, a place, whatever. And they learn about it together over weeks. And then one day you turn your classroom into like, like a museum kind yeah. of about your thing. And then you can travel around to the other rooms and it's like a museum day, right? And the kids feel so proud about what their room looks like and how they decorated it. And they end up, you know, learning something too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. You made me think other ones we did as kids I see now is a stock market game. Yes. You know, you, you do all sorts of percentages and math and you're, you keep looking up your stocks and yes. the kids now, when they do it with their computers, they're looking up the stocks all the time where they've got their phones out. So true. They look like little tiny traders that are just crushing <laughs> it. And you're like, wait, what stock should I be investing in that you know about? Wow. How do you know that? I'm glad you mentioned that because I've never taught that, but that some of the math teachers at my school have done that. And 
it's amazing because I will see kids in my class in history and I have to stop them because they're looking up their stocks or sometimes they're even scribbling calculations. And it's like they're totally sneaking in academics because they don't even care that they're doing math. They don't even realize they're doing math because they're just obsessed with seeing, yeah. you know, what things have risen and how much money they've made. All right. One of the best projects I've seen you do was your WikiLeaks project. I loved that project. Because that was when WikiLeaks, this was what, a decade ago? Oh, yeah. This will date us more than that. WikiLeaks was new. Yeah. I think- but obviously, it's still around. Right, right. But I think probably 2009. And you could you could do it today, too, with any type of whistleblower um, moment. But the the point was that they got to choose a, a WikiLeak. And we actually got into – I gave them background information on what it was, right, and, and the, the purpose. And like safety parameters, like things to avoid. 100%, yes. Yep. So we did a lot of that background work together. And then they got to actually get into the leaks themselves. And this was when I had a computer cart that I was able to rent out. Uh-huh. And they got laptops for a day. And they got to pick one that they were particularly interested in. And some were, you know, drone strikes where they knew maybe that there was more information than – they had let on, things like that. They picked something that they were super interested in, read that leak, and then they ended up, the output was that they ended up writing this argumentative paper on whether or not that was ethical. And that's the thing that you could totally replicate today with any whistleblower event was at the end, they were assessing and putting their own judgment on whether or not they think it was okay for that person to expose that information. It does so much. Like it teaches the digital literacy, Mm -hmm. you know, they kind of feel like they're hackers there. They're getting the behind the scenes of the internet they or felt what's so happening. so cool. Yeah. So. And it, it's really a lot of current events, real world things, and teaching them to think critically about their own opinion, um, which, you know, they're entitled to their opinion. I just want them to be educated about it. I hope that some of our kids that we're teaching now go back and when, when they have kids, they say, oh, I remember when I did that project. Oh, I wish. I hope they're listening right now and they're like, I remember the WikiLeaks unit. Like, we're... <laughs> We're in California now, and like every fourth grader in California does their mission project. Yes, and like I think we're we're becoming more more aware of the cultural insensitivities of prior projects. Right, and teachers are doing a much better job now of giving the complete picture. Absolutely, and that's a good discussion to start having at those younger ages. But I think every fourth grader in California knows the feeling of coming in with their built up mission project. Yes. And you see the ones that, you know, you did the night before and you see the one that had all sorts of parent help. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that's another piece of, of being more, um, aware, more, more sensitive, more educated about, you know, different groups of people. Another project I've done that I love is the lesser known historical figures project. And again, you could, you could do this for any historical period. I did it for the American revolution, But I had a ton of fun finding a lot of important people who played some sort of pivotal role in the revolution that do not ever get the spotlight. And they're not the necessarily the, you know, the big players that you see over and over again. Maybe they did one thing one time, but it was still important and it still mattered. And I had this list of probably 40 people, a lot of different Native Americans and women, young people, people of color, and students choose. I have like a small bio so that there's a a little bit. 
And then they choose one of these people and they they learn all about them and what they did and end up creating, again, some sort of journal or you can make like a Twitter, right? So they'll they'll journal or tweet or I think you're dating yourself with the Twitter. I know. They're making the TikToks now and the the Instagram. Oh, I need to update it. See, I need to update it. Um, They do something from that person's point of view. So they're learning about someone who who deserves to be learned about, and then they're able to share about that awesome person with their classmates. Yeah. I'll see it here and there, but they'll make the the Instagram bio of a famous historical figure. Yes. It's fun. And like, who would you like and who would you follow? And Yeah, who would your friends be? Who would you block? Yeah. <laughs> well, I used to do a Facebook profile and I've updated it because the kids said that was lame and I changed it. So then it was Twitter, but now I probably need to change it again. <laughs> that was, I, those are great projects. Any other ones you want to add in? I mean, there's a bunch, but those are those are my favorite. You know, I wish I could do them again. Some of them I'm, I'm still doing now. Um, some of them, you know, my curriculum has shifted, but... Those are just my favorite to teach. I think long-lasting impacts. And then, like you said, a bunch that you remember, too, from when you were younger. Yeah. I remember, you know, all the science ones, like the rock candy and the volcano, like you said. Uh, I think we had to build a kite, and that was fun. And you'd go outside and you'd test it. That's cool. Very sad day when your kite breaks just because you don't have enough tension. (laughs) Good lesson to learn. Good lesson to learn. Before you go to the beach. (laughs) <laughs> I think that the main takeaway is is projects are great and they don't all have to be super rigorous. Some of them can just be fun. Yep. They should be purpose-driven. And we remember them. We remember them. Yeah. So let us know. Do you have any favorite projects that you would like to share? Did we miss any big ones? And follow us. Keep in touch. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to School Bridge. Bye. See ya.